Hi, my name's Nathan. I'm the senior pastor here at Bridgman and we are so glad you could join us for our online service today. No matter where you are on the journey or what your story has been so far, we want you to feel welcome here at Bridgman and have the opportunity to discover the freedom, hope and healing that is found in Jesus. If you'd like to reach out and connect with us, you can email hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you and you can email prayer at bridgman.org.au. Our service will be starting in just a few moments time and we pray that you'll be blessed and strengthened as you join with us today. Well, Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you again, Lord, just for your presence with us today. And now, Lord, as we come to gather around your Word, we thank you for the power of your Word, the precious gift of your Word, that you are a God who speaks to us. And so we just pray now, bless this time, we ask in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, we're really blessed to have Pastor Andrew sharing the Word with us this morning. And so I'd love you, even though he's not going to be able to hear you, but we want to encourage Andrew and um, just let him know that we're with him and for him this morning. So why don't you put your hands together wherever you're linking in from as we welcome Pastor Andrew as he comes to share God's Word. Well, welcome everyone to Bridgeman Baptist. Uh, we always want to be a welcoming church, but particularly in this season as we're all isolated. If this is your first time to hear a Bridgie sermon, uh, we just want to welcome you. Um, and whether you're linking in from, we know there's people from maybe regional Queensland or Australia or even overseas, we just want to welcome you as we come just to hear from God as we look at His Word here this morning. It really has been an incredible time, hasn't it, this, this season? Um, and the word that's constantly come to my mind uh, in this season is fragile. Um, how fragile we feel, how fragile life can seem to be. Um, I know our plans are quite fragile even. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I remember being in meetings and planning ahead of this is what we would do and this is how we would do it and we we're planning these events and then all of a sudden these are not even on. And I haven't even bothered contacting anyone about these events not being on because we all just assume things have changed. Our plans are quite fragile. The, the economy is fragile, isn't it? Whether it be the Australian dollar, uh, the stock exchange, uh, even your jobs. And even this week, talking to different people, I've heard of people where their income from their business has just diminished. There's nothing, there's nothing there. Others who have lost jobs and within families, multiple jobs have been lost. It's fragile. The economy is fragile. And it would be very real. Like this is a challenge for many people. And then there's health fragility. In the middle of this season, um, people are worried about their health. We have to be in isolation. It's bringing a sense of insecurity about our health, anxiety about our health. Again, we feel fragile. And in this season, there's this reality that we are becoming more and more aware that we are not in control. We're not in control of these things in our life. There's a heightened sense of this but it's not just in this season, is it? Uh, we are actually never in control. Um, not just in the COVID season, but any of these things could happen to us at any time. And we are very aware at the moment that we are not in control. And in a season like this, uh, we are looking for stability. Uh, in a season like this, we are looking for security. We are looking for a strong foundation to build our lives upon. And as we continue this morning in our series on three days that change the world, three days leading into Easter, 
I want to encourage us that there is actually someone who is in control. We'll see that today. There is someone who is a sure foundation for our lives. And there is someone that has our circumstances, the circumstances that you find yourself in right now in his hands. So let's look at this uh, this um, sermon today on uh, the, another day in the three days of the trials of Jesus, looking at the trial of Jesus. And today we're going to look at three questions that were asked within that trial as Jesus was brought before Pilate. So we're just going to look at John chapter 18 and read from verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The first question in this trial that we want to look at this morning is the question Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And it's come because the Jews have said, uh, Jesus is, is claiming to be a king and here's a threat to the Roman Empire. And very quickly, Jesus allays any fears that Pilate might have by saying, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if there were servants... If, if, there, if it were, my servants would be fighting. He's saying, you know, I'm no threat to the, the Roman Empire. I, I could call servants to fight against my arrest here, but my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not gonna build a political kingdom, Jesus says. My kingdom is so different to that. And so not only is it different in that it's not political, it's actually different in the origin and the source of the kingdom. We see in this passage, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. The origin of it is not in this world. It comes from outside of the world. Jesus is saying, yes, I'm a king and yes, I have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. It is an eternal kingdom. And we see that throughout the scriptures. And in, even in the beginning of this book, as we read John verse one to three, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word being Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus with God, being God in the very beginning. He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. 
So here we see that Jesus has always existed. He's eternal. He's the eternal King. But the language He uses here says, but I've entered into the world. For this reason, I was born, He says. For this reason, I came into the world to be a King, to set up a kingdom, but a kingdom of truth, He says. When I was young, we played uh, computer games and those computer games were in 2D. Um, There's one called Frog, a very, very simple game, but it was in 2D. Now games are in 3D and it's very realistic. But what Jesus is saying is here, don't look at life in the 2D. You know, you're thinking that I'm going to build a political uh, kingdom or a, a kingdom that you can see and hear and touch right here and right now. He said, look at it at 3D. I'm coming from outside the world and yes, I'll invade the 2D, but this is three-dimensional. My kingdom is eternal. My kingdom is spiritual. This is God's kingdom coming to the earth. Yes, I am a king, but my kingdom doesn't originate in this world. So you might ask the question, what does Jesus' kingdom look like? What does God's kingdom look like? Well, like any kingdom, firstly, you have a king. And here we have Jesus, the King. And if you want to know who the King is, just read the Scriptures, read the Gospel accounts. You can see the character of the King. He's not a a political, powerful leader you might expect, like Pilate or someone like that. He is a King that is full of love. He's a King that is full of grace. He's actually the servant King, which we'll see a little bit later in this sermon, that he is a servant King, a loving King, a gracious King. Any kingdom has people. And as we look at his kingdom, we find that his kingdom is all about people. It's not about buildings. It's not about um, political regimes. It's not about power in that sense. It's about people. And as you look at the scriptures, see Jesus is wanting to build a kingdom and it's all about people and it's about rescuing people. It's about redeeming people. It's about setting people free. And as Jesus does that, what we see throughout the Scriptures, His kingdom is where He presents Himself with His people, God with His people. That is His kingdom. We see it way back in the Garden of Eden. There is Adam and Eve in the beginning of creation, God with His people. We see it in Jesus as He comes to earth, incarnate God with us, Emmanuel, God with us being with His people. Uh, as we read on in the Scriptures, we see it at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down and it's again God with His people. This is His kingdom. And then eternally, we will see finally there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where God will be with His people, us with God. This is His kingdom, God with His people. And any, any kingdom will then have a way a way of it, Jesus teaching. And Jesus said, as he taught, he said, I have come, I have come to bring life. I have come to bring life to the full. And so as we look at this passage and we see that Jesus has come to bring a kingdom, our application of that is to not look at life in the 2D, but look at what God is doing in our lives. What's God doing in our kingdom? What's God even doing in this situation in our world at the moment? He is coming and He is building His kingdom. He is working in and through His people, but He is in the midst of it. He is with it. He is with His people in this season. I encourage us all to look with eyes that look into the 3D rather than the 2D. 
as we look, as we continue to read uh, in this passage, we can look at our second question. I'm going to read on in John 19, uh, verses 1 to 11. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns to put on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail the King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. The second question in this whole um, trial I want to look at is the question that Pilate asked Jesus when he says, don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Now, this is an incredible, incredible scene. I encourage you to watch one of the Jesus films where you see this played out. You know, incredibly, Jesus has been beaten. Um, Jesus is being mocked. They're putting a crown on his head. They're putting a purple robe. They're slapping him in, in the face. They are stripping him, spitting upon him. And here he stands beside Pilate in this manner, and, Jesus said, uh, and Pilate says, I, I find him innocent. I can't find any charge against him. And then the Jews say, well, he's claiming to be the son of God. Now, I'm not sure what happens in Pilate's mind at this moment, but he becomes fearful. Whether he's fearful of the crowd and recognising how serious the situation is or whether there is, is a sense that actually this man that I'm dealing with might be just more than a man. I don't know, but he becomes fearful and he draws Jesus into the palace for like a private conversation. And there they stand face to face and he asks this strange question to Jesus, where are you from? (laughs) I don't know where that comes from. Where are you from? And Jesus refuses to speak. And he says, do you refuse to speak to me? And maybe Pilate, a powerful man at this stage, is getting um, agitated that he won't even speak to him. And then Pilate says these words. He says, don't you realise I have the power to either free you or crucify you? This is one of the most powerful people in the world wielding the power of Caesar Tiberius. And he is saying this. And Jesus, in his beaten manner, looks him in the eye and says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. This is an incredible reality, incredible statement for someone who has just been beaten up to look at one of the most powerful people in the eye and says, you have no power 
that has not been given to you from above. What's he saying? He says, Pilate, you are not in control of this situation. Any authority that you have in this situation has been given to you from God. People listening to me, I want you to know God is in control. God is in control of this world. God is in control in your situation. Even in this incredible scene that we can picture in our minds, Jesus being mercifully mocked, being prepared for crucifixion, God is in control. The worst moment in history, His disciples who had believed in the Messiah are watching Him being set for crucifixion. They, They couldn't think that things would be more out of control. Yet in the midst of this, God is in control. The most powerful man in the world at that stage, God is using him. He's been used under the authority of God. And I want us to understand, make no mistake in this moment, Jesus is not a powerless victim at the mercy of the Jewish leaders or the Roman soldiers or authorities at this time. Jesus is willingly accepting what has happened. He's not fighting Jesus is allowing it to happen. Jesus actually predicted it. He he told his disciples before they even went to Jerusalem that this would happen to him. And we read in John 10, the words of Jesus himself, he says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, Jesus says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. Here we have what seems like the greatest tragedy, but it is in fact God using the rulers of the world and even the own selfishness, jealousy and the sin of the Jewish leaders at this point to accomplish his own plans and purposes. God is in control. Now, this is one of the mysteries, maybe even the painful mysteries in the world that we live in, a broken world that we live in, where we suffer when things happen to us, yet God is in control. Well, here we see Jesus suffering in the midst of it. Jesus suffering under it. Jesus suffering because of the sin of others. Jesus suffering physical abuse, emotional abuse, relationally relational abuse, being isolated and rejected by his friends, left alone, suffering under unbelievable injustice. He is suffering in that sense. And as we journey through, whether it be COVID-19 or any suffering in the world today, whether that be financially, whether it be health-wise, anxiety, feelings of helplessness, I want us to know God is in control. And the obvious question in the midst of that is to ask, well, where is God? What is God doing in this time? And you know, that's too big a question and too specific for for me to answer in terms of your situation. But there are a number of things I wanna say that come out of the scriptures of what God says in these situations. And the first thing is that God is in control. God is always in control. The second thing the Scriptures would say is God is with you. I want you to know that, that God is with you in this season. God is always with you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
And his kingdom, as I said, is all about people and presencing himself with people. He is with you and he loves you in this season. When I was a young boy, my mother loved needlework. Um, She did tapestry. And um, I remember there, as a young boy, mum had this rather large tapestry that she was working on and she had it on this large frame just sitting in front of her reclining chair that she would just work upon. And as I looked at it, I looked at this tapestry and I just saw the back of it. Um, Saw lots of different colours, dark colours, light colours, you know, loose loose um, pieces of wool, maybe they haven't been cut or untied, um, really no sense of purpose in what it looked like, looking at it from the bottom. But my mum, who was creating this tapestry, she had a different view than I did, and uh, she had a purpose in every single one of these pieces of uh, wool, and it was making a picture. I'm not sure if you can see that on the camera, but you can see very clearly a picture was being made by my mother and every piece of purpose, whether piece of wool um, had a purpose, whether it was light or dark, uh, it had a purpose in the overall picture that she was creating. And sometimes life is like a tapestry. And sometimes we in life are only seeing the back portion of the tapestry. We don't see the overall picture. It might not make sense or it might not be clear to us. Corrie ten Boom, who uh, survived just incredible suffering as a prisoner of war in World War II under the Germans, she wrote in her book, The Hiding Place, um, she shared this poem from an anonymous author. It says, my life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. In the midst of suffering, um, in this current season, even as we look at this picture of Jesus, we know that God is in control. And God actually has his plans and purposes in and through these strange situations and circumstances that we live in currently. We don't see the full picture, but we have an opportunity to look to God who is in control. We have an opportunity to trust him and to understand that he loves us even in the midst of it. And I wanna say that in your suffering, in the challenges that we face, that Jesus not only is with us, but he understands as one who has suffered also. And finally, as we journey through these times, there is the sense that he will sustain us. The same sovereign hand that is in control will sustain you in this season. And so if I say that God is in control, if I say in this situation we're looking at in the trial of Jesus, it's a pretty shocking event that's happening. There must be something good coming out of it, surely. 
If God is in control of such suffering of the Son of God, it's looking out of control, he must be doing something good. And that's what I wanna look at now. And I wanna encourage you, yes, it is something that is incredibly good. And as we look at that, I wanna go back to two verses I purposely skipped over there in verse 38 and 40 as we look at our third question. And Pilate says, what is truth? And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. And now Barabbas, he had taken part in an uprising. As we look at our third question, I wanna look at the question, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? This strange little story or insert into this whole thing with this character of Barabbas needs to have a little bit of context. And the context is that as the Jews all came together for this holy feast, um, Pilate had a custom that he would release a prisoner that was on death row. And here on death row was this notorious prisoner, Barabbas. And we have this incredibly strange situation where Pilate is there in this judgment seat and he's trying to get out of this situation. He plays his last card and it's the releasing of a prisoner and you've got Pilate in his seat and maybe you've got Barabbas here to his left. Now Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas is a, a notorious prisoner. He's a murderer. He's a thief, completely guilty of um, these things and about to go to be convicted, charged and uh, crucified. On the other side of Pilate, you have Jesus. Now, Jesus has just been, you know, said that he is innocent. Pilate has said that three times. Herod said he's innocent. He is innocent. He is the healer. He is the miracle worker. He is the teacher. He's the one the crowds loved. And here Pilate is standing with this situation and thinks, surely, Surely they cannot choose Barabbas. Why would they ever choose Barabbas over this man, Jesus? And incredibly, as he puts out the offer, the crowd says, no, don't give us Jesus, give us Barabbas. Give us the guilty one and punish the innocent one. This is what's happening. It's incredible. But what I want us not to miss here is right now, right in this picture that I'm just describing is the culmination of the kingdom that Jesus had come to build. Jesus said, I'm building a kingdom that's eternal. I'm building a kingdom that is about people. It's about rescuing people. It's about redeeming people. It is a kingdom that is bringing God with people. And here in this picture, we see how He was doing it. Why was He allowing this all to happen? Because it was His perfect plan. His perfect plan that the guilty one would go free and the innocent would pay the punishment for the crime. Just imagine Barabbas at this time. Barabbas has woken up thinking this is my last day. I am on my way to the cross. I don't know if you can even sleep. You're about to, to go to crucifixion. You know the suffering that's ahead. Death is there and he knows he is completely guilty. But all of a sudden that morning, he gets called up onto a platform to say, will you choose Barabbas and Jesus? And to his surprise, they call Barabbas and they release him. 
Soldiers come, release the chains and he is free. The guilty one has gone free. He is gone to live a new life. His sins will not be held against him. And the innocent one, Jesus, pays the penalty. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see this is the culmination of Jesus' kingdom, the centre, the core of the heart of who God is and what He wants to do in this world? Reconciling humanity to Himself. Do you see that we are Barabbas? I'm the guilty one. It was me who sinned against God. I am the one that will one day be judged by God. I am the one that the, the Bible says, it's, it says in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are innocent. All of us are guilty. And Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You and I are like Barabbas. You and I are guilty. And the whole reason that Jesus came into the world was to come as a king, to set up a kingdom, but it would only come through him paying the ultimate sacrifice to set his people free. This is the way that we enter into the kingdom of God. This is a graphic and perfect picture of why Jesus came to earth to redeem, to reconcile People. Jesus said, I, I've come not to be served, but to serve, to use all the power that he has to serve people and give his life as a ransom for many. Peter puts it this way, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. The righteous one, Jesus, coming for the unrighteous one, me or you, to bring us to God, that we might know Him, that He might be with us, that we might walk with Him and that we might have new life, life to the full in Him for eternity. The question's asked, could there be such a love that someone would lay down their life for me, for you? Well, that's Easter that's what Jesus has done, laid down his life for us. In what is an incredible act of love, he has saved us, set us free to live. What an incredible story. And this is not just a story. I wanna assure you, this is not just a story. This is history. This is history. This event actually occurred in Jerusalem. God coming to earth in Jesus and setting up his kingdom. And this morning, even as you've heard this message, as you've seen something of that picture, we all have a chance to respond to Jesus. And I wanna say, just in looking at that picture, what did Barabbas do? Barabbas was set free. He didn't have to work to get off his chains. This was a gift of God. And for you to experience that forgiveness, to experience that freedom, all it takes is you to turn your life and put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You know, Pilate, I believe, was convinced that Jesus was innocent, but he was too terrified to act upon it because he would lose the favour of people. The religious leaders may have even known Jesus was true, but their 
in their own agendas for their life, they, Jesus didn't fit in for them. I just want to encourage you, look to Jesus this morning. Is there anything holding you back from putting your faith in him? Don't be like Pilate. Don't be like the religious leaders. You can accept his free gift of eternal life this morning. Others of you might be going through just times of turbulent waters and suffering and hardship. I just want to let you know and just in the encouragement of this scripture that God is in control, that God actually is with you, that God is even working in and through some of these circumstances to work out beautiful things in your life. And it's difficult to say that, I know. But here in the cross, we see the most tragic of circumstances, God still working great things through it. Now, I want to encourage you in this, this season, don't walk alone. Turn to God. Uh, turn to other people, Christians, the church. Connect in here at Bridgman that you don't have to walk through this suffering alone. Our, our church is wanting to reach out to people. There's an opportunity for you to go to our website and to look for support um, specifically in this time. But God is with you. Uh, his people, his family, his church are around you and want to encourage you and support you. Don't walk through these challenging times alone. God has a purpose in them. Would you pray with me uh, this morning? Well, God, I want to thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is truth. You've come to build a kingdom of truth. And God, in the most amazing act in history, you came, it's true, you came to rescue us. You came to redeem us. In the greatest act of love, you stepped in the gap that we didn't pay the punishment of our sin, but you took that upon yourself, that we might be free, that we might not have that guilt, that we might have that, not have that punishment, but we might know you, that we might know you intimately to walk with you here on earth and know you forevermore. And I just wanna pray with you this morning. Maybe some of you for the very first time might recognise that you don't know Jesus. Maybe if you might want, well, I want that forgiveness. I want Jesus in my life. If God has spoken to you in any way, in that way this morning, I wanna pray with you. Maybe you just pray in the silence of your own home and your own heart. If you've never received Jesus, that maybe this morning you might receive him. You just pray along with me. Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Please forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for walking away from God. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my punishment. And now I, I turn to you. I look to you for new life. I look to you for freedom. I look to you for the life that you have in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And for others, I just want to pray for you if you're going through a, a time of suffering. Lord, I pray just that everyone would know your comfort, that they would know your peace at this time. Thank you, God, that you're a God who says you will never leave us nor forsake us, but you meet us in the midst of that challenge. And Father, I, I want to pray that, Lord, you're the one who knows every individual circumstance and situation that people are going through. You are not unaware. And so, Father, now we call upon you to meet each one comfort each one, strengthen each one, 
Give them the assurance of your presence with them. And Lord, we do pray as a church and as a broader family of God that, Lord God, we might get around ones that are suffering, that we would be your hands and your feet, that we would be servants to those that are challenged in this time. Lord, help us in that, we pray, to show the depths of your love at this time as a church and individuals, Lord, in our community, we pray. Because this message, this love, this great love is not just for us, it's for the world. It's for our community as well. Help us reach out and love um, as you have loved us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, just as we continue our service this morning, we're just gonna continue in worship as we sing a song of God's great love for us in setting us free. Would you join us now as we continue to worship? Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we wanna help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.